Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome to Right Spokane Perspective on this spooky, I guess it's supposed to be spooky because we're looking at uh, the end of October, which always brings on Halloween, and there is some spooky things happening around the state. A lot of it has to do with how scary some of our laws are, and we're going to be talking about that today with Jeremy Ball from Sharp Shooting Indoor Range in just a moment after inspiration. Our inspiration today is talking about rejecting rationalization. An Atlanta police officer asked a driver if she knew why he'd stopped her. No idea, she said in bewilderment. Ma'am, you were texting while driving, the officer gently told her. No, no, I wasn't, she protested, holding up her cell phone as evidence. It's an email. Using a cell phone to send an email doesn't grant us a loophole from a law that prohibits texting while driving. The point of the law isn't to prevent texting, it's to prevent distracted driving. Jesus accused the religious leaders of his day of creating far worse loopholes. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God, he said, quoting the command to honor your father and mother as evidence. Under the hypocritical cloak of religious devotion, these wealthy leaders were neglecting their families. They simply declared their money as devoted to God and voila, no need to help mom and dad in their old age. Jesus quickly got to the heart of the problem. You nullify the word of God by your tradition, he said. They weren't honoring God. They were dishonoring their parents. Rationalization can be so subtle. With it, we avoid responsibilities, explain away selfish behavior, and reject God's direct commands. If that describes our behavior, we're merely deceiving ourselves. Jesus offers us the opportunity to exchange our selfish tendencies for the guidance of the Spirit behind his Father's good instructions. Heavenly Father, we need your wise discernment. Rescue us from our denial of our own guilt and help us to live in step with your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, and dear Lord, our state needs a lot of discernment. We've got a lot of spooky, scary laws that get passed. And obviously in the inspiration, there's a, a good law of, you know, you should probably drive with both hands behind the wheel and uh, look at the road from time to time because emails and texting are more deadly, I think, than the topic we're going to be talking about today where some lawmakers, maybe with good or bad intention, created spooky laws around our Second Amendment rights. And we've got an expert on not only the Second Amendment, but the use of those tools in Jeremy Ball from Sharpshooting Indoor Range. Thanks for coming into the studio. Thanks for having me here. Okay, so it's Halloween. Um, you know, we should all make sure our children are safe, so our firearms are stored safely, of, of course, after we cleaned and oiled them, so they're in good operation. And we also need to make sure our children are not getting uh, dangerous amounts of candy. So uh, one of the things the legislature likes to hand out is dangerous amounts of candy to activists, which is why we get some of these weird laws put in place and you've become a victim of those laws. So let's talk about sharpshooting indoor range and, and the things you've engaged with in the last year or so. Well, I think the first thing that is still on the top of everyone's mind, uh, mine included, is House Bill 1240 that or SHB 1240 that passed and was signed into law at the end of April. Uh, prohibiting the sale of semi-automatic rifles. And 
that law has led to multiple lawsuits across the state, uh, ours included, and which we have taken the state to court in the Eastern District uh, federal system. We have not received a final ruling out of that case yet, but we are underway and we are making progress regularly. And um, the way that some of the rest of the cases are going throughout the Ninth Circuit, we are relatively optimistic that uh, we are going to prevail. And the Ninth Circuit is an interesting uh, place. In the past, I called it the Ninth Circus course because, be courts because they were like the most overturned court in the nation. And that has actually changed. There was some members of that court changed in the last presidential uh, uh, administration. And it seems like it's more of a court that's looking at really the Constitution and the law. And I think I was shocked. It was a year or two ago I, I saw a California law, you know, shot down by the Ninth Circuit Court. And so I was, I was like, wow, things have obviously changed there. They're, they've read that document called the Constitution. And that's, that's wonderful that we have more common sense members on the court than what we previously did. And I don't see that happening at our state Supreme Court level, unfortunately. But that's why we have this tiered court system where we can appeal things. And so... Um, you know, I, I want to kind of step back just a little bit because I feel like I'm somewhat informed about gun laws, but I'm not an expert by any means. I'm still trying to figure out I-594, right? Yeah, you know, that's a long time ago. I know a lot of people might not remember that, but I still don't know if I can let my son use my hunting rifle, you know, to hunt with because isn't that a illegal transfer? Transfer. You know, I think that that actually brings up a really good point. And if I-594 was not that long ago. And if you look at the progression that we have taken between 594 through 1639, 1240. Well, 1639, I don't even think we'd have to have like four or five shows just to unpack the complexities and idiocies in that one. Yeah, there's each one of these laws is written typically in a manner of which it's going to require a judiciary or additional uh, legislative action to clear up the things that are not clear that are originally put into this. And like I said, 594 is a good example of that. And then 1639 following that up with that. And then we've got magazine capacity, you know, semi-auto rifle issue now. And so we've got a whole series of laws that, that are spooky. They're pretty scary. If we're talking about our, our rights as citizens, can I let my son use my hunting rifle? I don't know that still. It could be a case by case. It's like the in the inspiration, a gal using her cell phone. A law is only as good as how it's enforced. Obviously, in you know, a lot of folks know that I drive across the state on a regular basis in my work. I see lots of people on cell phones not staying in their own lanes, not you know maintaining their speed. And there's more people killed on the roadways in Washington, even though our state has like this you know zero fatality mission that they'll never reach because of course. We don't enforce the laws very well here. But when we look at firearms, there's all these laws that, are, to me, are totally unenforceable. And not only do the citizens not understand them, but I don't know that the agencies that can't enforce them understand them. I can 100% agree with that and prove it. The Washington State Patrol is taking over uh, all background checks in Washington State effective the 1st of January of 2024. That's Wow, Th this is Halloween. I'm terrified now because that used to be our local sheriff. It used to be, 
but they are centralizing the background check system. They've hired 74 uh, people with a, uh, with Washington State Patrol to conduct background checks using a system that they call the SAFE system. Uh, I don't want to know what the acronym means. It, it's, it might be. But uh, I, I know there's always an acronym with these things. And it The gist of it is, is that in the, or the intent of it is that all federal licensed firearms dealers will conduct background checks through this one centralized system. Now, they're considering that Prior to this or in still today, we've got about 280 different organizations that do background checks in the state of Washington. And so for a dealer, it's really confusing, particularly when you get into places like King County, where each of their the smaller cities all handle their own checks and then some of them contract them to other agencies. And so just even trying to figure out who it is that you're supposed to contact for each one of those checks is extremely confusing. So there is some advantage to a centralized system. Now that said, it has to be executed and work correctly. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, because of this, uh, it's going to come at a cost to firearms purchasers and so no surprise here, they are going to tax this service at $18 per background check ran. Well, wow, I thought I thought that you could do this through a dealer. They had their fees, the paperwork things that used to be like 25 bucks or something to- in total. So so now we're looking at it'll probably be $50 or something. Yeah, so How do you secure your rights if it, to me, how you know, if you have a right and then there's added burden and cost that is government basically taxing you for a right that's in the Constitution. You're exactly correct. And additionally, all we're doing is creating another pathway to the NICS system. So Washington State has not reinvented the wheel. They didn't develop a new background check system. All they did is develop a software system to talk to the FBI NICS system. We're going to increase the cost of the consumer by $18 per transaction and use the exact same system that all of us as taxpayers have paid billions of dollars to support since 1995. So we're going to have to pay $18 to access a system that we already paid for, basically. So we we have local sheriff's offices. They use the NICS system. Local police departments, they use the NICS system. And basically, most of these entities, the municipal governments that create their own pathway for an FFL inside of their district, that's just a revenue stream for that city. They've just found a revenue stream, and it satisfies uh, advocates that want to restrict gun use. That's exactly what it's going to go to. Okay, so now we've got the state that's going to set up this system. And it sounds good. I mean, obviously, if it's confusing for FFLs in different areas, maybe you have a dealership in one district and another dealership in a different district. It'll make sense to have it just at the state level, but you have this extra cost. But also there's this discussion or, you know, we've had with the NIC system. Are they tracking gun purchases to create a registry of who owns firearms? Is the state level going to be doing that? I think you can absolutely anticipate that you'll see lawsuits filed against the state because of information that the Department of Licensing is uh, retaining right now. And they're retaining it under a technicality under the Brady ban 
Brady bill that was passed and signed by Clinton back in 94, they prevented registries to be maintained by law enforcement agencies. So Department of Licensing in Washington State is operating under a technicality that they're not a law enforcement agency. Okay. All right. So that's... Wow. Okay. Halloween. So there's a bonus to this. It's Halloween all over again. We're unwrapping the wrong kinds of candy here. So if I understand it correctly, the way it is right now, when you go in to purchase a firearm, every single time I could purchase one today and I have to do the background check, even though I did it six months ago, I have to do it again. I have to wait three days for that background check to come back, and then I can go ahead and go pick up the gun that I picked out. And then next week, I have to do it all over again. So with it going to a statewide system, they've already got it in the system that I was cleared, so I can go back next week and buy a gun, and I don't have to pay that fee again. That's got to be a bonus, right? No. Oh. Wait, so we have to, we still have to pay the fee every single time we want to buy a firearm, even though now statewide it's going to be held in a database that we already passed that background check and we are already cleared to purchase firearms in Washington State. Yes, I believe so. And I just that's, how I understand that's one hundred percent correct. And the the argument to that stance would be that we don't know if you broke the law between the first transaction and the second transaction, even though they were three days apart. How do we know that you didn't rob a bank in the process? Well, well, even if you purchased the two firearms on the same day, you're probably going to pay for two background checks. Good news here. No, you won't. Okay. So there is So one. I just have to buy them all on the same day. So, you, so it's like an $18 discount or whatever the cost is. If just... Don't buy one firearm. If you go to sharpshooting indoor range and you're going to buy a firearm. Your wife needs one too. Just buy two. There's a little bit of a discount through state government not taxing you twice. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back. And we do got to dig into more of the specifics with the laws that were just recently passed. We can't go all the way back to some of the laws that we still don't understand and the state government doesn't understand how to enforce. But we got to look at the ones that the state government's going to enforce through uh, limiting commerce. And we'll talk about that with Jeremy Ball again with Sharpshooting Indoor Range. Don't go anywhere. The Citizens Alliance for Property Rights has published our ratings of 2023 candidates for office in Washington State. Find these on our website at caper.us, C-A-P-R.us. Councilman Arnie Woodard and former state representative and council candidate Rob Chase of the City of Spokane Valley were both rated outstanding property rights advocates. Among those candidates rated good by CAPER are Nadine Woodward, Kim Pleece, Michael Cathcart, Earl Moore, Jessica Yeager, and Erica Lalka. Go to our website for more ratings. That's caper.us, C-A-P-R Tim and Shannon have published their interviews of many candidates on their website. Find those at rightspokaneperspective.com. Finally, don't forget to mail in your ballots by November 7th. Good candidates are counting on you to vote. We want to thank God and you, the listeners, for the opportunity to continue the Right Spokane Perspective radio show and podcast programming. Listeners, it's because of your support we continue to bring you facts, commentary, and alerts on what's happening in local government, politics, and issues affecting us all. Please send your most generous support to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, P.O. Box 7620, Spokane, Wa 99207. Thanks again, and back to the show. 
And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective. On this scary, spooky Tuesday, we are talking to Jeremy Ball. Yes, it is Halloween, and there's only tricks, no treats coming from Washington State in the laws that they pass. And we've we've discussed some of those. You know, during the break, we kind of jumped off into more of the background check discussion where it comes to you know folks like my wife and I that have concealed weapons permits and we've done background checks not only that we've worked with children so we've had you know fingerprinting to the max like the federal government it, done it. the state government they know who we are our address hasn't changed our DNA is still the same and uh, if we went to buy a firearm we'd have to pay for a check again and that just makes life more expensive, state bureaucracy and the records that they hold that maybe sometimes they shouldn't, uh, you know, more expensive for our state to, to uh, you know, administer the laws that they so unwisingly pass. And statistically, it's not doing anything because people who can't pass background checks don't fill out paperwork to do a background check. So you're telling exactly. me that criminals don't follow the laws? Jeremy. I, I, the, the legislature needs to hear this. This is a, this is because actually how profound I brought it up that I don't remember my driver's license number anymore because we all had to change those because our state was issuing driver's licenses to people that were not residents of the state. And so now they want to control who they give guns to. I, and I, I'm not a huge fan of federal bureaucracy, but I think the federal government Nick system was probably better than our Washington state system that was not in compliance with the federal government. And that's why I don't know my driver's license number. That's exactly right. And this is the exact reason why we're going down this road of this new verbiage safe system uh, is because the during uh, the Trump administration, they passed a Republicans passed a bill called Fix Nicks, and in that bill, it prevented partial point of contact states from using the Nick system when the purchaser had already met federal requirements. And so, what I mean by that is, if you have a concealed weapons permit in most states or all states now that just use the federal standard. If you have a concealed weapons permit, you fill out an ATF 4473 just like you would here in Washington State. The only difference is, is that on the second page, they check a box that says, has a concealed weapons permit, no NICS check required. The okay. So that's in most states. In most states. But in states that like to have a heavy bureaucratic hand, that we have to do a background check again and again and again. Which and, is unreal. And Washington, hold on. Washington State wanted to... They, I heard discussion about background checks for, like, ammo. That this, would be a huge burden to this a is background the first check step. system. This is the first step. Because the NICS system, and, and the reason why California was able to do that is because the they have their own background check system. But California... So in California, you have to do a background check for buying ammo? Yes, you do. Wow. So they just go over to Nevada or up to Oregon to buy their ammo then, probably? I would assume so. Yes, it's, it's just like buying gas if you live in you know the Spokane Valley. It's the, the Idaho's right there. It's a dollar cheaper. Why I'm not? I'm sure people buy ammunition out of the state all the time. The only reason why California was able to do that was because the California DOJ system has their own complete background check system. So California is the only state in the country that does not contact the federal government's NICS system. Washington is trying to replicate that in some way. However, they're doing it by still using the NICS system because California has spent more on this 
uh, California DOJ system than what Washington's entire state budget is. Holy cow. Well, and they're like one of the largest economies in the country, California, even though they, they're a horribly run state, they can only afford to be that horribly run because of how much they tax the, uh, the large amount of businesses and citizens that still re- reside there. And uh, many of them are non-citizens. And so that's kind of where we ran into trouble with our IDs. And that's why we don't know our driver's license numbers because they were handing out ID that looked credible and you weren't really a legal resident. So, you, you know, say my good friend from Guatemala, who's legally in the country, but doesn't hold full citizen rights, but they're legally here. You know, either you could have somebody that's on a work permit, someone that's in college, things like that. You're in Washington state because their system isn't fully set up. They could gain access to firearms rights because our state's inadequacies when the federal government would say no. And in theory, this, the safe system should flag and prevent things like that in theory in but i say that in theory because it's untested at this point they've started onboarding uh firearms dealers for this i've received a letter for it that we're supposed to begin the onboarding process um and this is not a law that's being challenged no this is not being challenged this is at this point this this is is a state process that i'm not sure if there is even a way to challenge this at this point i'm not sure that you would be able to convey standing so this is more of a fourth branch of government the bureaucracy creating rules and regulations about how to comply uh and, and they're using some kind of a a deficiency in federal law that allows states to set up their own system. The federal government is still allowing states to create stronger laws and then enforce background checks through their own entities. I think that's really strange that on one issue, when you're talking about firearms, they let states, using their 10th Amendment right, to create laws that go above and beyond the federal government when it comes to firearms and certain constitutionally protected uh, rights. Whereas it comes to, say, federal laws on drugs, their laws can be weaker using that same right of the state from the federal government. It seems backwards. Definitely seems backwards. I know that those are two things to put together that are kind of strange, but a lot of the people that illegally use firearms are also illegally using narcotics. I know that's profound. I think there's some law enforcement folks that are listeners of ours that are they're probably frustrated by some of those things. But we do need to um, jump into 1240 some more. So let's let's talk about your experience there because uh, we could talk about these other laws that we're already living under for a long time and the background check system that you know might take you know it'd be like a COVID test and a DNA swab and things here in Washington State before long. That's if you want to buy 22 rifle rounds. Um, and, and definitely the laws are getting crazier, but let's talk about 1240, the uh, supposed assault weapons ban that doesn't uh, include swords or nunchucks or any other kind of assault possible weapon. They're only semi-automatic rifles. Only semi-automatic rifles or pistols that have a threaded barrel. Okay. Uh, pistols that have a threaded barrel. Okay. Even if the it's threaded because that's how the gun is held together. Well, you kind of want the gun held together. I, I, I agree with that fully because... Safe firearm use requires the gun to stay together while using it. But that isn't something that uh, the engineers and the activists have quite come to terms on, apparently. No, they the activists have not figured out that, that you know, if there's a nut on the end of the barrel, that doesn't actually change anything. Um, but I, I'm not sure that we're going to get them to believe that. 
Well, at least they've educated themselves enough to write horrible gun laws because I think the last time you and I talked on like 1240 and some of the laws, they've, they've become more educated on what to call firearms and things. You know, it's, it's a magazine ban, not a clip ban, right? So they're, they're coming more into legal terms of where firearm pieces and parts are located. And I think that that's actually something that's real scary about the way that the anti-gun industrial complex works. They are constantly using every single market as a test bed. So they, they will test something in a state, whether it's on a ballot or in a legislature, and as soon as it passes in one state, they replicate it as fast as possible in all the other. And so this will... It, so if something passes here in Washington, they instantaneously roll it to Nevada because we have a similar demographic makeup and voting pool. Okay. Well, and, and it seems like they've done that kind of back and forth. States have activist groups that are funded oftentimes from out of their state, like the Bloomberg group and things like that. They're over in the East Coast. And they'll implement gun laws that are similar to ones they tried to pass somewhere else. They went through the legal challenge. Their laws got thrown out because they were tyrannical. They went against people's freedoms rights. And uh, they tweaked it a little bit and tried it in a different jurisdiction or state and uh, to try to avoid that judicial challenge. That's exactly what they're doing. So doing that in Washington, I think with the attorney general that we currently have and the majority in the legislature is pretty easy because they're willing to, uh, I would say, not in a semi-automatic way, but more of a fully automatic way as far as the legislation goes. They'll just throw them out there and, and they have no aim. A lot of times they're not using their optics properly. They just throw them out there into the woods and hope that something's going to get knocked down. Our AG's office has been probably fined more than any AG's office for poor uh, for poor decision making and illegal um, processes than any other AG's office in the country, um, and the firearms industry seems to constantly be on um, target. Yeah, yeah, on target. target. Yeah. Well, I've talked to the attorney general's office. And it's amazing, you you would think, in reading the laws and the Constitution, the Attorney General's office is the chief legal entity in the state that's supposed to be making sure that the government, the state and municipal governments, are following the laws and the Constitution and are passing laws that match up with the state Constitution. But in fact, and talking to the Attorney General's office, they say, no, nah, really our job is to protect the state's interest and in, in our agendas. And I was, I, I should have not been shocked by that, but I kind of was because it goes against uh, what I would hope that we would have in, in a governing body. So let's, we got just a couple minutes left. Let's talk about why people should go to sharpshooting indoor range, not just because of the wonderful experience and your staff and the products that you have available to good firearms owners and um, those who are interested in sports shooting but because of how you're advocating for the industry and the firearm user in um, an illegal action on this 1240 assault weapons ban. I'd like people to, to very much uh, support us. However, I also want them to support every other small firearms retailer that's in the area right now. 
Um, most of these firearms retailers, ourselves included, have taken massive hits over 1240 and are trying to figure out how to diversify their businesses into other markets. And each of us is taking a different approach to that and trying to find what's going to work next. And so I would encourage you to help support these local businesses. A lot of them are um, ran by three, four, five people at most. And um, they really need the help right now. And so um, instead of looking at online sources through your holiday shopping, I would encourage you to look at other local businesses that can potentially provide the same or better products with better service that um, is going to help keep that, that financial stability local. Well, I appreciate your idea of having people shop local, look at those small businesses, not just sharpshooting indoor range, but uh, also other small businesses. And Christmas is coming. So remember, all your wives out there really would like a new handgun for Christmas. That's right. Well, and, and we also have hunting season upon us. So, you know, you've got to get that gear. You've got to have the things that you need, not only to follow the law, but common sense when you're in the wilderness, out there with your firearms, ways to keep them clean, safe, and properly used, and uh, also properly cleaned and dialed in. So those local gun shops can help you out with some of those things. And we did not get to get into enough of the laws. And I know there's, there's current lawsuits going on around the state. I know that Jeremy Ball has been active in working on the, their businesses' behalf, but also other businesses, FFLs, and citizens' rights in accessing our, our rights through you know sporting rifles and things of that nature. So we're going to have to have him back on the show to talk more about that as that case comes closer to an end. All that being said, folks, we will be with you again tomorrow, and hopefully it won't be this scary. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you. <laughs> <laughs>